0: Genesis chapter number 15. We'll start reading in verse number 1 this morning. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus? And Abraham said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. Behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven, tell the stars if thou art able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord. And he counted it to him for righteousness. Have you ever gotten a reward? While I was preparing this message, I was sitting there in my office at home, rehashing my history, trying to think of the rewards that I have gotten. When I was in the 7th and 8th grade, I found a checkbook alongside the road. We wrote a bunch of checks out of it not thinking about that Uh, but then mom called the guy and he came and since we could account for all the checks that we've made out to ourselves for a million dollars and all that he gave me five bucks for that checkbook and I was really pretty excited about that. When I was a junior and senior in high school I had written a computer program for a competition and this computer program Took me hours, hundreds of hours, actually. I had written one for the year before there was a local competition for all the high schools. I'd written one the year before. It was a game that I'd written the year before that looked really cool, but didn't actually even work. But when I got there, I got to present it and so forth. So this next year, I wrote a game. A, it was a math program that helped teachers teach math. And the program, if you know anything from that, those ti- that time period, programs that are really short shelf life. I mean, if, a, if you used a program for six months, things were changing so rapidly that if you used a program for six months, that was a long time. This, this program was so, worked so well, and I had developed in my own mind a way that changed the computer programming at school. It was so well, the teacher was still using it, like five or six years later, he was still using it with the students. Anyway, I submitted this thing to the competition, and I got a letter back from them, an honorable mention. What that means in layman's terms is don't call us, we'll call you. <laughs> oh, my teacher, computer teacher, razzed me forever on that. He always called me honorable mention from that point on. <laughs> that was the reward I got for my hundred of hours Just don't call me, we've got an honorable mention. Rewards all vary. When we were roofing, it was not unusual. Uh, For a homeowner after we'd worked on their job and done a nice job, maybe give us an extra couple hundred bucks as a bonus. That was a nice reward. I roofed a house for free for a relative one time and didn't even get a thank you. That was my reward. Rewards come in all shapes and sizes for all kinds of reasons. All of us here have gotten rewards. But this passage talks of, in verse number one, an exceeding great reward. Exceeding great reward. Boy, doesn't that fire off the imagination. If someone said to you, I'm going to give you an exceeding great reward, what would you be thinking on that? The title of this morning's message is, Your Exceeding Great Reward. Let's pray. Father, we bless your name. It is our privilege to be here. It's our privilege to have a copy of your word. It is our privilege to have the Holy Spirit to teach it. We ask that you, since you've made us such privileged people, that you would give us one more privilege by working in our hearts, meeting us where we're at, and moving us forward. Father, you know how slow we are to respond. You know how thick-headed we are. You know the slowness of our ears and the slowness of our tongue. We do not rely on any of those, but on your spirit. To do the work that's so necessary in each heart and each life here today father we commit this time to thee for we ask it in the precious name of jesus christ who has already purchased everything for us amen your exceeding great reward when carol's grandparents were still living I don't know. Probably nobody in here. Maybe a few people in here would know her grandparents, uh, Willis and maybe Bibi. We had helped them on several things, and her grandpa called and told us that he had something for us. (laughs) He was so excited about this thing, and so since he was excited, so were we. We were collecting and displaying antiques at the time, decorating with them, and they had several very interesting pieces that had family history to them and so forth, and so you can imagine he was so excited about this thing that he was gonna give us that we were pretty excited ourselves. And so there was some delay in our getting over there. I can't remember quite why, so you know how these things go. The anticipation of this increases. So we finally got over there on when we were able to, and he gave us this reward. When Carol unwrapped this reward, <laughs> it was. I'm ah, sorry, we all gotta go home now. No. <laughs> when she unwrapped this reward, it was a picture that she had painted when she was in high school of a polar bear that she had given to him. We got it back. (laughs) Do you know how hard it is to smile when your heart is breaking? (laughs) Uh, By the way, if anybody here is decorating the polar bears, I got a picture to sell you. (laughs) We still have this thing. (laughs) It wasn't an old frame. It It wasn't an old frame, frame. (laughs) yes. Never mind, never mind. It's it's too painful. Before we get started and get all excited, we'd better just figure out what is this exceeding great reward? Because sometimes you know, it just isn't worth the effort here. It's not worth the anticipation. So here's our first question this morning. What is this exceeding great reward? Until we know exactly what it is, it's pretty hard to get excited about it. It may be that you would be much better off spending your time doing something else as opposed to this, because the rewards are not always what they're cracked up to be. So what is this exceeding great reward? In our day, I I suppose it's always been this way, there's a whole group of religionists who would have you define this reward as health and wealth. It's not very difficult to find these people. Basically, turn on your television at any time, day or night, to a religious station, and there will be somebody there telling you how you can get rich quick by following God. One of my personal favorites is the guy who's selling water. Well, not selling, sorry. He's giving it away. In these little plastic packets, I like this big. Have you seen that? It's about the sun, oh, it's, it's real thin, so they can send it through the mail, and it's got water in it. And I don't know if you're supposed, you're supposed to pour it on yourself, you're supposed to drink to it. or I don't know. I don't pour it on your plants. I don't know what you're supposed, you're supposed to do with it. Rehydrate it. <laughs> 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 but I will tell you what. Boy, this stuff really works. Because if you heard the testimonies, the guy says I used this water, and the next day I got ten thousand dollars in the mail. I used this water, and the next thing you know, my arthritis was all gone. I used this water, and the next day, the lawyer called me and told me I had a relative who died and left me a fortune. This stuff really works. I'm just telling you. Now, I think it's really interesting, though, that, like everything else, it works better, this free water, if when they send it to you, you send a little seed money, a little faith money back to the guy. So that way it gets this stuff going. It, it works better. Kind of like when you win the publisher at State Clearinghouse. Whoever expected to win that, unless you ordered at least one magazine, you, know, you got a lot better chance when you order the magazine. By the way, if you think I'm promoting this guy, you're wrong, okay? Just so we're all on the same page here. These guys are charlatans. One of my other personal favorites is the guy who sent it by mail. They send you, I got one in the mail. This envelope is really strange. And it had this folded piece of paper in there. You're supposed to unfold this thing and you're supposed to kneel on it and pray. And when you do that, on this little folded piece of, it's a prayer rug made out of paper. Uh, when you pray on this thing, it's supposed to solve all your problems, give you all your money and all that kind of, anybody get one of those? Did you get one? Holly and I'll tell you these things, how these things work, they do work. I'll prove it. Zach and Holly, they're not here this morning, are they? Zach and Holly got one. And so Holly was talking to me about it and we were laughing about it because I'd gotten one too. And so I had an old napkin and so I folded it all up and I sent it to them with a letter explaining if they'd send money to me then they would be blessed and they would get all this this money. They didn't send me any money and that's why they're not millionaires today. (laughs) See? <laughs> Isn't it strange how all these things, you'll have health and wealth, but the only ones are really concerned about is their own health and wealth. And that you do, it's always got to have a little money kicking back to them. These religious charlatans, as well as others who are well meaning people, might believe that their great reward is offered. That is offered to you can be measured in dollars and cents or in reduced trips to the hospital. But how great is a reward that could be taken by government taxes, it can be reduced by the falling economy, or lost in the deteriorating effect of old age. If a person can get all excited about health and wealth then they ought to be overjoyed at the true reward that's offered. For the true reward, your true exceeding great reward, is God himself. Look at verse number one. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield, and thy exceeding great reward. Why would anybody settle for a few dollars when you can have the one who created the universe Why would you trade God himself for an answer to your current health problem? Why would you hope for things that you could have if you just worked diligently, when you could have God himself as your reward? Do you value God so little that you would trade him out so cheaply? We often think of the Indians who traded Manhattan Island for a little bit of beads. Are we not much more foolish when we will trade God himself for a few worthless coins? The reward, my friend, is not health and wealth. The reward is God himself. He says, I am your exceeding great reward. Now, I dare you to try to sit down and think of any reward that would surpass that what can you think of that would be a better reward for you than God himself he is the only real definition of an exceeding great reward so question number one what is the reward the reward is God himself my friend that reward is worth pursuing that is you can't get a better reward than that this brings us to our second question what did Abraham do to get this reward what did Abraham do to get this reward no if I worked that hard on that computer program so that I could get a honorable mention certificate and if I sweat in the hot sun for several days to get a hundred dollar bonus I must have to do something stupendous if I am going to get a reward like God himself, right? If I got to do all this, I work so hard to get these little things to get something big, I must really have to do something to get this reward. That's what our thinking goes. So what did Abraham do? Maybe this is outside of my reach. We find Abraham to be a very interesting figure in the scriptures. He is very well known, and he's very well loved by almost everybody. But ask yourself, what exactly did Abraham do? Now we have Noah, who built the ark and saved the human race. We have Joseph, who interpreted a dream and saved egypt from starvation and also his whole family we have moses who led the children of israel out of egypt and oversaw their wilderness wanderings for 40 years we have joshua who led the children of israel into canaan the promised land we have gideon who fought the midianites with 300 men we have david who fought goliath and ruled israel We have all these Old Testament characters who did all these amazing things. What did Abraham do? Where are his deeds? Where are his accomplishments that are on a national level? What did Abraham accomplish that would earn him such a great reward? He is a well-loved, respected Bible character. But you do not find any of the amazing deeds in his life like you have in most of the well-known Old Testament characters. Do you want to know what Abraham did? Well, it's told to us in verse number 6. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. This is the amazing feat that Abraham did. He believed God. Do you know that this same phrase is actually repeated three times in the New Testament? Paul mentions it twice, once in Romans and once in Galatians. James also repeats it. Abraham believed God. Do you know in, the, in Hebrews 11, which is a recapping of all the Old Testament saints, all the other characters basically get one verse. Do you know how you know many, many verses Abraham gets? Years? Twelve. He gets twelve. All Noah, Noah gets one. one. Some, Some of them only get a half a verse. And what amazing thing did Abraham do? He believed God. <laughs> you say, wow. That's interesting. Abraham believed God. Now, let's be perfectly clear here. there is a world of difference between believing that God exists and believing what God says. Get this difference in your mind. There's a world of difference believing that God exists and believing what God says. Almost every person in the world believes in the existence of God. They may be worshiping a false idol or some other kind of thing but they actually believe there's a God. He may not be the right one, they may be believing in something false, but they know inside that there is a God. Even people who claim to be atheists, almost all of them actually believe in God. There are a few who do not, but most of them, I told you before, at Meyer Hall, I used to deal with teenagers there at Meyer Hall. And at least once or twice a month, a kid sitting in the Bible study that we would be holding, a kid sitting there would say, when you go around the room getting their names and so forth, he would say, I'm an atheist. I'm an atheist. Okay. And I'd always say, I'm glad you're here. Good to have you here. Hope you'll enjoy the Bible study that we're going to have here. And I'd just teach a basic Bible lesson. At the end of the lesson, it happened every single time, I'm thinking, without exception, maybe there was an exception, but I doubt it. At the end of the time, the kid would say, will you pray for me? Now, wait a second.
1: <laughs> if you're an atheist, there ain't nobody to
0: pray to. Who am I supposed to pray to if there is no God? Why? Why do you ask? Because he knows there's a God. He may be rebelling against him. He don't want to admit it at this moment. It sounds tough or cool to say you're an atheist. But the fact of the matter is almost everybody on the planet, with a very few exceptions, actually believe there is a God intrinsically you know it so Abraham when he believes God he doesn't get this exceeding great reward because he believes there's actually a God everybody believes that almost that's not the definition there's a world of difference between that and believing God Abraham wasn't an atheist he believed in God but that's not what's being talked about He believed what God said and acted on it. That's what it means. Abraham believed what God said and acted upon it. You say, wow, that's simple. Oh, yeah? Have you tried that yet? If you think that's so simple, have you tried it yet? To believe what God says and then act upon it. This is what Abraham did. It's much more difficult than one might expect. So let's look at some of Abraham, the things that Abraham believed. Abraham believed God for his plans. In Genesis chapter number 12 and Hebrews 11, we find that Abraham was told by God to leave his home and go to a place where God would show him. Because God was going to bless him and make him a great man. That's what God told him. Leave, go to a place I'm going to tell you. I'm going to bless you. Now that seems all easy in Genesis chapter number 12, but put it into normal thinking. Suppose this is what you felt the Lord told you, and you went home today and told your wife, Honey, we're moving. And she said, Oh, where? And you said, I don't know. And you said, she said, where are we going to? How long are we going to be gone? We're never coming back to this place. OK, you don't know where we're going, and we're never coming back. Why are we going? Because God told us to. You see some difficulties here? Do you see some real conversations taking place? Now imagine packing up all of your stuff in a U-Haul truck and heading for Mexico. For real. And you're just driving down Interstate 35, and you go down, you go down, you go down, you go down, you you cross the Mexican border, and you just keep driving. Does it seem easy to you? Anybody here thinking, "Ah, I think I might try that? Where were they going? They had no clue where they were going. They were going into a foreign place knowing nothing. Why? Because God said it, and he believed it. God said, that's what's going to happen to you. When you go, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make a great nation of you, so go. And Abraham said, okay. And he packed up everything. Put it in your world. Turn in your two-week notice. Get all your junk packed up and head out. This is a lot more difficult than it might first seem when you put it into practice. He believed what God said, and he made decisions based on it. Abraham believed God. It sounds so simple when you read it in Genesis 12, but it's a lot harder than what you think. You know, in fact, I was thinking sitting in my office this morning. It may very well be that there's somebody sitting in this room, maybe multiple people sitting in this room, who you know without a shadow of a doubt that God is asking you to do something. It may be going to the mission field. It may be being part of a ministry that's outside of your comfort zone. I don't know what it is, but you know that's what he's asking you to do. And you're sitting there saying, sorry. I just, I just can't see that. I just can't see how this would turn out. And you are refusing on this deal to believe God. Abraham believed God. This is what he was told to do. And this is what the result was going to be. And he said, all right, that's what I'm going to do. He believed God for his plans. We also find that Abraham believed God for his finances. God told him, Abraham, that he would bless him. You know when Abraham and Lot got too big to stay together, they had moved out together and they got too big, they'd been blessed so much that they could no longer dwell together. There was too, mi- too much goods there. There was too many cattle, there was too much. Abraham tells Lot, Choose which way to go. You make the choice, Lot. You go that way, I'll go that way. You'd make the choice. Take whichever you want. Now you have to understand that in that region, if you've ever been to Israel in that region, you'll find there's some really lush green and some really brown brown. Now, to put this into perspective, say you're in business partners with somebody. You're farming and your farm gets too large. And so you have to divide your farm with your partner. And you have two choices, Iowa or Arizona. Will you say to your partner, choose, I don't care. You want Arizona, take it or I'll take it. If you don't want Iowa, I'll take Arizona. Would you want a few clauses in this thing? Would you want a little input in this this situation to make sure that your financial ends are protected? You know what Abraham says? God's already promised to bless me. Don't matter, Iowa, Arizona, it don't matter. You make the choice, Lot, I'll take the other, because God has already said he's going to bless me. Lot, on the other hand, what does he do? He looks around and says, it's greener in Iowa. That's where to have a farm. Lot looks over and sees Sodom and says, that's where I'm going, that's where the money's at. And in that one decision, destroys his entire family in things that are so devastating that your mind almost can't get it to wrap around such a devastation. And Abraham believed God and prospered, even though Lot had chosen the best way, humanly speaking. Abraham believed God for his finances. When Sodom and Gomorrah is captured, some kings had went through and had just captured and overrun a bunch of towns. Lot is captured with them in Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham goes and rescues Lot. Now, just as a side note here, for those of you who are wondering whether tithing is for today or not, Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek which is an Old Testament picture of Christ which was far before the law just so you know Abraham <laughs> was paying tithes way before the law was ever in, in, put into place but the king of Sodom tells Abraham when Abraham rescues everybody the king of Sodom tells Abraham look just give us the people we'll go back to Sodom and Gomorrah, and you can have all the stuff. You realize when an army came through, the reason they defeated a place is to make them slaves and take all the stuff. And so the king says, of Sodom said, hey, you give me the people, we'll go back to Sodom, you take all the stuff. Now, put this into your world. The reality is, Abraham owned all those people at that moment. They could all be his slaves if he wanted them to. He was the, he was the winner. Winner take all. So th- technically they were all his. So he could have just said, sorry, you're all going with me. I win. But think about the stuff. Think about today if you could go through Altuna, Every house in Altuna, you could have everything out of it. Think about it. That's what has happened here. Sodom and Gomorrah has been emptied of all their stuff. Think if you could go to Altoona and empty them, every house that had jewelry, every house of all their cash, every house of all their stocks and their bonds, every house of all their vehicles, every house of all their recreational vehicles, like boats and ATVs, everything that everybody had in all of Altoona. And you could pile that up. That's what Abraham's dealing with. Can you see the well here? I mean, try to get your mind to wrap around how many vehicles you would own if you could have all of Altoona. He's got it piled right there. It's his for the taking. You know what Abraham says? I won't even take a shoestring out of that junk. Why? Because God said he's going to bless me. And if I take that junk, everybody will think that's how I got rich. And I would never do that to God. I trust him to take care of my finances. I don't need that junk. He is going to provide. Is that not something? Put that into your world. Is that the way that you are making your decisions? Look, we don't talk about finances here very much. In fact, I can't remember the last time I preached on finances. But I am telling you, it matters to God. And we should not be making our financial decisions the same way that the world does. You should be believing God. How many of the decisions you made this week were based on finances? How many of the decisions you made at work this week put God under the, diminished God in your life so that you could have this, that, or the other thing? How many of your decisions are based in, this is better for me financially We talk about it a little bit, about faith promise. Does your faith promise giving actually require faith? Does the tithe that you get, is it just, oh, I don't know about this? Does it actually represent belief in God? Or are you just giving what you think you can afford? Abraham believed God, and when he has a chance to make the great financial decision, and I'll take Iowa versus Arizona for my farming, he said, no matter to me, God already promised. When he's got this whole pot mountain of stuff that he could have for the taking, won't even take a shoestring at that because I am not going to let God be put down or made fun of. I trust him to keep my finances the way they ought to be. He said, that's good enough for me. Abraham believed God. Not just in theory and in talk, but in reality, he made decisions based on what God had said. When you make your decisions, do they represent a belief in God or a belief in your paycheck? Abraham believed God. We also find Abraham believing God where his family was concerned. We won't take a long time here to get all the ins and outs of this, but we find three major events of Abraham's family. One, in the starting of his family, God had promised Abraham uh, children that would be like the sand of the sea. We read that this morning. But Abraham doesn't have any kids. Pretty hard to have a family like the sand of the sea if you don't have any kids. By now, Abraham is an old man, and his wife is an old woman, and the kids are no longer possible, humanly speaking. But God said it, and Abraham believed it, and Isaac is born. When Isaac is just a, a lad, God tells Abraham to go sacrifice his son on the altar, And Abraham obeys, figuring that since God had promised that Isaac would be the son of promise, that God would have to raise him from the dead if he killed him. He'd have to raise him back from the dead. How is that for trusting God? I'm gonna do what you said and kill my son, expecting God to raise him back from the dead. Of course, God never intended for Abraham to kill Isaac. It was a test of faith. When Abraham is an old, old man, he needs a wife for Isaac, and once again, he puts his trust in God. You know, far too often, I find that in our lives, we are able to trust God for ourselves. We're able to trust God for our finances, but we often draw a line with our family. Abraham believed God enough to put his son on the altar and stand over him with a knife. And I find that often we're not trusting God enough to even send our kids off to college. We discourage our kids from going to the mission field. We trust their safekeeping to our own two hands. Let me tell you, I know exactly how this, feel, this feels. I can remember clear as day, the, one, probably I'll call it the greatest day of my parenting. I was sitting at home thinking about the kids. They were just little at the time. And I was struggling with the letting of them go. And giving God total control so that he could do with them whatever he wanted and I was struggling with this, and I was thinking about keeping my own hands into this thing to make sure that they were safe. And as I was sitting there, I must have done this because I looked at my own two hands, and I cannot tell you the sheer panic, the cold shiver that went down my spine. Because I looked at those two hands and thought, these are what I'm trying to protect the kids with? You can, you've never seen someone run to God so fast as what I did at that moment. I realized I better get these kids underneath the protection of God right now because if this is what I've got to protect them with, I might as well kill them right now. I cannot protect them with these two hands. And I ran to God so fast and said, you've got to watch out over my kids. You've got to take care of them. I can't do it. I give them to you. They're yours. And I'll tell you right now, I have never regretted that decision for one second of my entire existence since that point. It was the turning point in my parenting world. And I encourage all of you, take a look at your own two hands and decide, is this what I want, protecting my kids? I don't know about you, but I needed something a lot bigger than that to watch over my children. Give them to God. Abraham believed God for his family. Abraham believed God for his future. You know, Hebrews 11 says something kind of strange. It tells us that Abraham was looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. That's an interesting phrasing. Abraham realized that there is more to this existence than the 70 or 80 years that we live on this planet. He believed that God would do exactly what he had promised Adam. In the garden, when Adam sinned, God had promised that a, the, he would send a sacrificial lamb. He would deal with the sins of mankind. God himself would pay the sin debt. And he believed it. Abraham believed that God would send someone to do this work, to deal with his sin. Abraham believed God. He's going to deal with my sin issue. That is the way I'm going to go to heaven is because of what Jesus Christ did. He did not know the name. You know, that's that's pretty amazing. It would not happen for several thousand years. But Abraham says, he's coming. And I am going to believe what God said. I am trusting him to deal with my sin as he promised we have it so much easier. We look back. and We look at the finished work of Jesus Christ. We look back at the resurrection and say, it's done. And we say, I'll put my trust in Christ. Abraham had to look down the road and say, God said it. And I'm going to trust him. Abraham believed. Now, it would not be accurate to say that Abraham always believed. We have to be true to the Scriptures because we have several times recorded that Abraham failed to believe. He didn't believe. Two times, Abraham did not believe that God would protect him. And he had Sarah tell everybody, "It's my brother. One time, he decided that he... um, when he was leaving home, that he didn't quite think he ought to go by himself. And he allows Lot to tag along, which was a mistake and not what God had told him. The whole Sarah's my brother thing didn't work out well either time. The whole Lot come along with me thing caused him multiple heartaches and headaches. When he decided that he didn't have a son and maybe he should take matters into his own hands and the whole Hagar Ishmael incident which by the way we're still dealing with today was a huge mistake a lack of trust and a lack of taking, believing what God said and just letting God do it each one of these were of time when Abraham did not believe as he should have And each lapses of faith caused a mess in Abraham's life. Thankfully, they were not the norm of Abraham's life. But each one created unnecessary havoc in his life. And it does exactly the same to us today. Every time you think you've got a better plan than God. Every time that you think this is the better road than what God is taking you. Every time that you decide to believe in your own thinking versus God's thinking... I'm telling you right now, you're creating a headache for yourself. It's not going to work out the way you think it is. It's going to be messy. And it's unnecessary havoc in your life. Abraham had these incidents. And he, knew, he wouldn't have looked back on any of them and said, boy, that was a way to go. Each one, he'd say, why did I do that? That was so stupid. But the norm of Abraham's life was, this is what God said and i am going to believe and act upon what he said abraham believed god so let's put the whole thing together what is the reward that is offered to us god himself is our exceeding great reward and how did abraham access this reward abraham believed god He just listened to what God said and believed it and acted upon it in his plan, in his finances, in his family, in his future. Don't you settle for the messes of your own thinking? For the outcome of your own brain power? Abraham believed he found was his exceeding great reward was God himself. That's your exceeding